Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. And welcome to the 180th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And we are here to, uh, man, recap a disappointing, frustrating, odd 17 to nothing loss to the Green Bay Packers by your Seattle Seahawks. There's a lot of storylines to this game. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear what all the fellas think uh in this case and and what your uh, takeaways were uh takeaways being a uh, important word in this one but uh let's start with with jeff uh real jeff simmons on twitter we also have nathan ernst at nathan e11 uh welcome to both of you guys uh yeah jeff tell us tell us what you thought watching that game today and what your your kind of takeaways are uh off the cuff it's unfortunate, but it's a lot of the same themes we've been talking about all season. And um, one of the things that I was obviously most curious coming into this game was how the defense was going to play. And rightfully so, we saw what happened last year against bad quarterbacks, and we saw the difference. And so my first takeaway for most of the game was that the defense was surprisingly good. And they did exactly what you could have asked for them. They looked consistent. Their pass rush still isn't great, but they still showed a lot. Jamal Adams had one of his best games as a Seahawk. They were functional across the board. Offensively, obviously, Russell had one of the worst games I can remember him having, but 
just big picture. It's a more of the same thing where they're not on the field enough plays. They're pretty awful on third down. They don't look comfortable doing anything. Everything we loved in that first game, I know Nathan tweeted about how they're now one of the last in the league in offensive motion and pre-snap motion. That almost seems like it's not there. There was bizarre stuff with D. Eskridge not playing for most all of the first half where they were just hyping him up all week. So I thought the offense, and we'll get into Russell. I thought Russell was awful. Both those picks into double coverage, that was horrible. And yeah, there's questions about, but it's again, it's more of the same stuff we've seen the last few weeks on defense. Same stuff we saw earlier in the year when Russell played an offense. And then this didn't matter in the end, but I thought the refing was awful. 17 nothing. it doesn't matter. I don't think it in the end it mattered, but there was, I think Nathan said it perfectly when we were chatting during the game. Uh, there was about two or three pretty bad calls, but then there were seven, about 50-50 calls that all went one way. In the end, it was 17 nothing with the interceptions in the end, so it doesn't matter. But all three of those things just made for a pretty frustrating game given how well the defense played and that they just couldn't come close to capitalizing. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Uh, Nathan, uh, I actually didn't hear from you as much during the game, or at least I didn't, we, I didn't uh, see your, your notes as much. So I'm really curious, what, what did you take away from that game? Um, what did you see? Uh, I mean, I don't have anything super insightful here. The offense was trash and the defense played well. I mean, um, it'll be really interesting to, to see the all 22, um, of the defense because, you know, I thought the pass rush was fine. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it didn't feel like it, they were dominating, you know, from, from a pass rush perspective. And that's why they were, uh, you know, uh, locking down the Packers like they, they did for most of the game. Um, so it'll be cool to see what they were able to do in the secondary. It seemed like they were really airtight back there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like a really <laughs> uh, defense played good. Offense did not show up. Uh, that's the story of the game. Yeah. It, we'll talk a, a little bit about some, some questions that I think have to be asked after what happened. I I thought the Seahawks were going to win this game going in. I thought the Seahawks were going to win this game during the game. And I thought the Seahawks were going to win this game even when they went down 10 to nothing. And um, they didn't. Uh, I still walked away feeling like the Seahawks absolutely uh, could have gone toe-to-toe with the Packers. I mean, like, there wasn't much in that game where I was like, the Seahawks are overmatched. Uh, I think the questions are about whether the the performance on offense was just because the offense is horrible and that's what it's going to be. Is it because Russell was injured? Was it because Shane Waldron is bad? Uh, so I, I think there's there's a bunch of different questions we can kind of go through there. But I was really encouraged by what I saw on defense. Um, I thought that was as good of a defensive performance as we've seen from a Seahawks team in years. I, I honestly, I, I'll have to go back and look through some things, but given the, given the location of the game, the opponent, the quarterback, the quality of the quarterback, the quality of the team they're playing and the complete absence of offense, like the offense gave them nothing all day long. I thought that defense performance was uh, heroic. I mean, that's the word that I kept thinking in my head uh, along the way. They, 
They were great. I thought Trey Brown played great again. That was really encouraging to see. I thought DJ Reed, he slipped once, you know, that was that one play early on, but otherwise I thought he played really well. I thought Quandre Diggs played well. I thought Jamal Adams played one of his best, most disciplined game uh, games as a Seahawk. I thought Jordan Brooks had some good moments. Uh, so, you know, and then the interior line did their job again. So, you know, I think even like AJ Dillon had, you know, two touchdowns and they were like talking him up like he was Walter Payton. He had 21 carries for 66 yards. Um, <laughs> like he, the Seahawks played him pretty well until the very, very, very end. So, you know, I, I, for me personally, the most disheartening kind of game is when your defense is horrible and you just can't stop anybody. And, and those feel really hopeless to me. When you can stop a team and you have a good quarterback, it usually is a recipe for, for winning. So who knows what will happen the rest of the year. They start off so bad. You know, I'm not going to declare that they're going to go crazy, but I don't think I go into any game now just thinking the Seahawks are screwed um, because I think the defense, if they can play like that, can keep them in a lot of games. Um, and I don't think the offense is going to be this bad uh, the rest of the way. So, Nathan, I want to ask you first. Uh, I think the question on everybody's mind was, is, did Russ come back too soon? Uh, you know, as great as it is that he made the recovery he did, would the Seahawks have been better off giving him another week or another two weeks uh, and playing Geno Smith in this game? So I felt pretty strongly through the first, like, three quarters that the injury wasn't actually a big, that big a factor for him. Um, he clearly missed a couple gimmies. Like he had that one to lock it that he just, you know, soared over him, sailed over him. Um, <clears throat> so like, you know, and I, <clears throat> Romo talked about it, right. That he had the bandage on his finger and sometimes it can slip. And so that's kind of what I thought was happening that he was probably otherwise fine, but that bandage was maybe once in a while, given a little bit of an issue. Um, watching him in the fourth quarter, um throw the pick and then on the last drive and I know that last drive was pretty meaningless but like I didn't feel like his deep ball was the same um I, I don't think he had I mean and that's such an unbelievable weapon for him I mean the, I I'm arguing with a bunch of people on my on Twitter right now about why did he force that and why are you trying to go and like well first of all yeah it they were down 10 nothing it was kind of a desperate situation but like more importantly they're awesome at that. They're awesome at the deep ball and getting it downfield and chunk plays. And like, this is what has, this is Bre Russell Wilson's bread and butter. So like um, for him to be missing that is pretty major. And I do think that's somewhere where the injury maybe is a factor, but it's also snowing and it's super cold, obviously. And he has a band. And so like, I don't know how much to put on the injury. Um, I think maybe, you know, it limited him a little bit in that factor, but I thought overall it wasn't that big an issue. So I don't think, I don't think rushing him back was a problem. I don't think playing Gino would have done anything for you really in the situation. So, yeah, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's times when Nathan pointed out for sure where the, the, the injury definitely impacted him for sure. There's he skied a lot more throws than we're used to seeing. And Romo mentioned, I think Brock Jordan mentioned it on Twitter. They were just one of the things you lose is that touch and accuracy. And he skied, there was a play action, I think it was the locket on the sideline, and there was another one where he's just missing. But a lot of the things that I just couldn't stand from him 
more decision-making stuff. And maybe that's Russ from not playing. Cause you saw with Dak last week, just how different he looked coming off the one week absence and then just coming back, how much better he looked today. But Russell, there was a play early in the game where like the pocket is wide open to step up. You can run for a first down all you need to do. And he spun like backwards and ran right into a sack instead of what, and DK was streaking on that play. The play in the end zone is a pure decision play. The deep ball and the double coverage. I think Brian, you pointed out Freddie Swain's wide open. There's a lot of things. So I think it's kind of a cop out to say he came back too soon. I don't think that, I think rust is, I understand. I think he would have had rust at any time. And we've, we saw with Rogers today, Rogers, had one week off in practice all week. And he missed a lot of some of his throws looked like Madden glitches, Rogers. So I think that's natural for him to have rest. It was going to happen whenever, but the decision-making and the inability to step up and running into sacks, I don't think that has to do with coming back too soon. And that was the stuff I think disappointed me so much. Yeah. I, I was watching early on and very much feeling like, giving Russ a pass, no pun intended, on on some of the struggles, especially the, the overthrows. Anything that was, like, yeah. inaccurate, to me, that's either rust or it is the finger. Like, I think anyone that's thrown a football, no matter how good or bad you are, knows what that middle finger, how important that is for, for, for the throw you're making. I mean, it has a huge impact. And for that to be him still getting used to it and to have something on it, like, it absolutely affects – his confidence in those throws if nothing else it affects his confidence but i think it also affects his mechanics and the accuracy and i think it affected the deep ball i mean i agree with you nathan i i think they he was a little late he underthrew uh a few guys uh which he usually doesn't do um i was impressed he was able to get it downfield as much as he did i it would be really easy after that game to say yep they blew it. They brought him back too soon. I just don't know that that's an easy thing in retrospect. I don't know that anyone could say, yes, if Russell Wilson's ready to go, you should still play Geno Smith. Like, I just don't think that's a decision anyone could have made. Now, having seen the game, do I think the Seahawks would have had a better chance to win this game if Geno Smith played? I do. I do. I, I don't think that that means that Geno is better than Russ. But I think there was a good portion of this game where Russ was just trying to figure out how to play quarterback again and trying to get comfortable. And um, so, yeah, I I think they would have had a better chance. I don't think that they would have clearly won if Geno Smith had played. I just think they probably would have had a better chance um, had he played. The reason Um, that I really strongly disagree with that is because I don't think Russ, like Russ was bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything about what he did he had a bad game he threw a terrible pick at the end that really sealed the deal for them it was a backbreaker so like bad game for us I, I put most of the blame on him but there's still a lot of blame to go around I thought the offensive line was bad I thought Shane Waldron was bad I mean I didn't see a lot of replays with receivers running around open you know and um while both picks in the end zone were bad the Kevin King one he was trying to give DK a chance. DK last week, wh- no. So DK last week was, oh, I was so glad to get a chance. They threw me the ball in that situation. They never do it. Well, he just tried to give you a chance there, and you got bullied by Kevin King. And I mean, really? so like, yeah, yeah. Like, I must not have seen the replay because what I saw was Russ throwing it directly to because 
so DK, I don't know if he was running like an outer or like a little curl or something. And and King had position on him, but DK went to like get in front of him and come up in front of him. And King just kind of boxed him out. And you could maybe argue that there was a little DPI because King gave him a little bit of a push and stuff. But like DK just got bodied. And and yeah, and then he threw it right to Kevin King. It was a risky throw. I'm not excusing Russ on this, but I think Russ was like, I have DK one-on-one in the corner of the end zone. I'm going to give him a shot. And DK got bodied. So like there were problems all around on this offense. So I don't think putting Gino in here, I don't know that you end up with really any different of a result. That's, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I'm loving that. There are people in the chat getting on me for defending Russ that I need to stop being su- such a Russ apologist, which uh, I know a lot of people will find hilarious. Um, yeah, I, to me, there's, there's, those, are, those are separable things, Jeff. Like Shane Waldron, we can talk about that. We can talk about DK and talk about other things. I think the game plan was really odd. Now, I, I can't say for 100% sure it's all on Waldron because who knows? Maybe Russ was checking the, the passes and checking out of runs. I don't think so. I'm going to put, I'm going to guess 90%, 95% that this was on Waldron. And for all the people that say Pete like forces the team to run when they, sh- you know, should be passing, he had every opportunity to force this team to be running. They averaged, you know, over four yards a carry with, with, uh, with Alex Collins. Um, and I thought they were being relatively successful running the ball. And yet they threw the ball 43 times. Now I know end of the game script, but it was like that throughout the first half as well. So it just felt like the game plan did not get built to help Russ come back. Well, but I also just felt like Russ was, I mean, there's no way I'm going to defend either of those interception passes as anybody like, a hundred percent of the fault for those are Russell Wilson. Nobody else. Those were decisions he made and they were horrible decisions and horrible throws. And he hurt the team. So yeah, Jeff, I mean, what did you think about the, the game plan coming in? Where do you, where do you put the blame relative, you know, Waldron versus, you know, whoever else you want to hang this on? It's so hard to blame Waldron or Pete because we don't know who's designed this offense who's putting the shackles on who, but this was definitely, I think just speaks to an overarching theme that's just been so frustrating watching the Seahawks is a lot of things we saw in that first game where there was just easy throws and things to get Russell in rhythm and how other things were opening up the run and how they were all connecting together. It's just gone. So it just looks like an offense again, that has no identity other than hitting deep shots. So again, there was, I was complaining about it earlier and, there was that one play to Will Disley where they threw a play action pass. They got him in space. It was an easy play. It was one of their biggest chunk plays of the game. And we didn't see a lot of that stuff other than throws to Everett where last week the game plan looked like it ran through Lockett and DK and this game and it worked. It worked great. And that game plan, this looked like the bad offense we saw in the second half of last year. So they've changed coordinators. It's the same quarterback. It's the same head coach. But when that Seattle went to the tank last year and teams went too high on them, this is kind of what it looked like today. You saw a bit more interceptions, but so yeah, it's, you can't come out here and just say Shane Walter's doing a great job because the offense looks like ass. They look awful. They have no identity right now. Um, I think Nathan brought up a good point. I don't think either DK or Tyler had a 
particularly good game either. And I think Green Bay's defense played really well. I think they deserve some credit. They're that big Fangio system now. They're playing too high. And we've seen how so many teams have success with that. But there just wasn't – the offensive line was awful too. Like they – Dwayne Brown got hurt. Damian Lewis had a really rough game. Um, so it's hard for me to blame like what the game plan was. But again, I just see an offense that – has no identity and it's been the issue all season long. And I don't know if that's a Pete problem or us problem or a Waldron problem, but the mix is not working right now. Have, Nathan, have you seen enough to say that Brian Schneider is better than Shane Waldron? Brian Schott. Uh, Brian Schott. Sorry. Brian Schott. <laughs> Brian Schneider. Yeah. Brian the Schneider. Schneider question is harder than the, the shoddy question. Shoddy yeah. was way better. I don't think there's, I, I don't know how, I mean, you know, different teams and players and whatnot. I don't know how you could think that Shoddy wasn't way better. Because I think we've talked about this on here before. Like, Waldron looks like he's running a watered-down or, like, zombie version of the same offense they've always ran. Yeah. Like, I had lots of complaints about Shoddy, and I thought he got better, obviously, as it, it went on. But, like, at least Shoddy was calling his offense. He knew it. It, it, it wasn't perfect, but he knew it and he had a feel for it. And Waldron just clearly, uh, it doesn't feel like he has any kind of sense of what he's trying to like string together. Yeah. I don't know, Jeff, where are you on that? I think you have to go shoddy. There is a large sample of them getting better every year. Um, their vertical concepts with shoddy were really good and you saw last year, for at least the first half of the season, they looked like one of the best offenses in the NFL. So, again, with Waldron, it's hard to know, is he a good play caller? Does he? Can he adjust in game? Can he design plays well? Can he come up with game plans? Shoddy, for, he did have his flaws, and the team sort of went into the tank last year offensively, but we saw a lot more consistency from Shoddy. We knew what he was trying to do, and he could do it. I think that's, I think that's what's so hard to see, like, you talk about it all the time, Brian, but the amount of plays that are just going out every week and how little, I think they're last in the league in offensive plays run or second last yeah. in the league. And that says a lot about how the offense is performing. And it's not just a small sample. Now we've seen the same issue since week one, essentially since the second half of that Tennessee, it's been the same issue over and over ago. And you, you judge coaches based on how they adjust as the season goes on and whether they can fix their problems and whether it was Russell tonight that's sent things back, but there's no evidence right now they can fix the problems that are ailing them. Yeah. I don't think we talk enough about how, how weird it was that Shotty got fired and the way he got fired. Like, I, I know we don't probably don't want to go back and rehash like history at this point, but like he had good offenses for two and a half years. And then he had a bad half of this uh, back half of the last season. And Pete, even in the one press conference, said, oh, yeah, he's coming back. And then, poof, he's gone. And it's philosophical differences. So it really feels like Shoddy got canned after, like, I mean, he, I don't know. I had a lot of complaints about the 2018 offense. But, like, if you look DVOA and things like that, they rated pretty well. Like, they were still effective. And and then he just gets canned for, like, six bad games. It's, it's really weird. I don't know, guys. I mean, they... Waldron called a flea flicker uh, to mm. a tight end three yards behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, those are pretty creative plays. You, I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. In fairness to Waldron on that one, Russ should have put that one in the dirt. Like, 
<laughs> I get it. The offensive line didn't execute, but like Russ knew that when well, he decided to throw the ball. And uh, yeah, it was bad. Well, I mean, exhibit A for me on Waldron just being shitty at his job is okay. D. Eskridge. We're all looking forward to seeing him back. John Schneider was talking about how great he is in the pregame show. And then the first time he's on the field late in the game, they run a jet sweep. Like, no, that is the, <laughs> like, that, that is, you could not have telegraphed that anymore. Offense in the NFL is significantly influenced by misdirection and anticipation and sleight of hand. And if you're going to telegraph exactly what you're going to do to what is a very good defense, your chance of success are like zero. And that was right after Dwayne Brown went out of the game too. Yeah. So he, he ran right to left behind Jamarco Jones. That was, I mean, I would have liked to see Neskridge this whole game. I still don't. I mean, Freddie Swain is Freddie Swain. I don't understand. Like there was, there's no upside there. You're three and five. You've got your guy back who's your top pick and supposedly going to be an impact player. Play the guy, like play him. That was very frustrating um, to see. And I, you know, I have to assume that that's a Waldron, you know, that's an OC. People are going to say that's a Pete thing. Pete doesn't decide the depth chart, like on who's playing on offense or who's playing on defense. He's talked about Alton Robinson all year that he wants to see him play more often and he hasn't played. So like Pete's not making those calls, even though maybe people want him to, um, or maybe they don't, I don't know, but yeah, I think Waldron is a guy that never called a play before this year. And I think it shows, I think he doesn't know what he's doing. I think the, I do not want them to go back to shoddy. He was not the answer either, but Waldron is, has been a disaster. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. He has been a total disaster. Um, okay, I want to offer one thing on the Eskridge thing, and then there's a very funny Pete quote that I want to get on here. Uh, I think that all of the talk this week was them um, trying to misdirect uh, and make the Packers plan for something that they knew they weren't going to have. If you think about Pete, okay, we <laughs> not to bring up a long-standing argument, but Pete wouldn't talk about the difference between a bear front and a 4-3 in a press conference, and suddenly he's telling everyone how much he wants the Eskridge to be involved in the offense, and John is coming out and being like, oh, yeah, he's a, I've been on all the offensive installs this week, and D, he's got to, like, I think they were just trying to mess with the Packers. Um, uh, but anyways, um, okay, are you ready for the punny, the, the punny, the funny Pete quote? Um, he says they would have ran the ball more if they had managed to get more plays in the first half. It, you, <laughs> I, yes, if you had more plays, you would have had more plays, Pete. Like, good lord. Oh god, that's just. He does not help it. I mean, I, I know at this point, I know he's trolling, but like a lot of the backlash for Pete, like, is stuff like that where he just. It's like, okay, Grandpa. <laughs> that, that's the thing. He comes off so bad. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, this, this game's a tough one for me to rag on Pete much. I mean, the, the, yeah. the biggest thing that I'd rag on Pete about in this game is not calling a timeout, you know, when the Packers are about to go in for a score, but then calling a timeout with like four seconds to go on fourth down and 30 uh, with your injured quarterback, like, what are you doing? Like, just, just leave, like take, take the loss. You know, that, that was otherwise, look, you mentioned it just a bit and, and I a hundred percent agree with you, Jeff, 
um, on the refs. You can't say that at the side of the game. But man, in a game that close for that long, I thought the refs just were awful this game. I mean, really bad. And even some plays that nobody's talking about, I thought uh, the play where I think it was Swain was streaking open, Russ threw it to him, he underthrew him, but it still wasn't that bad. When you get separation as a receiver, and then the other guy catches up and gets there and makes contact with you before the ball, that's a penalty. Like every time that gets called, nothing. Like it was super bizarre to me. The fact that uh, that that fumble, you know, early on that really looked like Daryl Taylor got there, but yeah, you could call it 50-50 maybe, but I mean, he had two hands on the ball. Maybe that's karma for the, the Golden Tate play because it was similar, but if so, then the Golden Tate play is a, a legitimate touchdown. So anyway. He disagreed with the fumble, but that the tie does go to the, the offense. Right, right. Well, so Fail Mary was a real touchdown. So um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, where do, where do you guys, where do you guys like end up thinking the team should go after this game? Like what, what do you want to see them do? I mean, they've got Arizona coming in next week. Uh, I assume you want to see the same that you saw on defense. What do you want to see on offense at this point? Jeff, let's start with you. I think I just want to see something that's repeatable and whether that's just getting DK involved early throws to him that aren't just him streaking down the field. They tried a couple in the game, the the throws to the Everett I thought were effective today, but it's just, I just want to see offense that's repeatable and some sort of structure to it because all year long, it's just been disjointed, but really it's just, it's hard to get too worked up about it because the whole thing is just more of the same. It just feels like, this season is like sort of what you said, Brian, like it sort of needs to be simulated like in Madden. And cause we all know what's coming after the end of the year. Like every game is just more buildup towards this Russell versus Pete thing. Where does this go? Because games like this, like this was one of Russell's worst games of his career. The people who are anti Russell are going to live with this, but I'm sure Russell's camp is thinking like this coaching staff sucks. Like we need to get this team has no talent. So it's hard for me to get too worked up about the offense. It's because I'm sort of waiting for the whole thing to come to a head because you can't just roll this thing back. This is exact game with more evidence why it's just the whole thing's just not working. You know, well, I can't say the whole thing's not working. Like, and I would say that the defense at this point looks like it's becoming the most hopeful version of itself that we could have asked for. Like what more would we have wanted from the defense than what we saw today? Like, maybe a better pass rush, but still, I mean, the results have been really, really solid for now six or seven weeks. So this defense is plenty good to be a contending level team at this. That's what I mean. That's why it's so disjointed. Yeah. So then, I mean, yeah, it's that's the problem. I, I guess I just, when I was most exasperated early on in the year, I felt like the defense was, looking like I had no chance of being good. And so if that was the case, knowing how much they've spent to get the defensive players they've got and the ages of those players, that that was going to continue to just degrade and be worse. And I thought the offense wasn't good enough. It wasn't staying on the field long enough. And since then the defense has gone like from like a two to a eight, I would say. And the offense has gone from like, to me, what was like a seven to like a three, like, 
And it, it's bizarre to me. I just don't understand. Like, yes, the offensive line, but Nathan, I, I just, at some point I have to wonder like how many different OCs Russell can go through. Like he was going, he was getting better. His numbers were better with shoddy. He just doesn't seem like he's getting better this year. Um, and now he's hurt, but like, I just don't, you don't see quarterbacks of that caliber just take dives, nose dives this late in their career. At least I can't. Yeah, you actually did. You saw it with Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. yeah. And it was honestly at a similar, he's probably a little older, but you actually saw a very similar thing where he just looked disjointed in this and stale. And then the LaFleur offense took two years, but it completely rejuvenated him. Well, for one year. Yeah, and now he's—he he didn't look great today either, and he has no. He's had a, a weird year too this year, but I think there's no doubt this is the worst season of Russell's career. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so Nathan, yeah, I mean, other. I think Rogers is the the comp at this point that like, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, what I want to see from this offense at this point is anything, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not quite, they just got shut out. Like <laughs> we probably cannot understate how awful that is. Right. Um, uh, I'm in Russell Wilson's career. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cause the Steelers game last time was before, right. That was, yeah. who was that? Was that Varus? Varus. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not. He, so this is what sucks. Um, the, the defense now looks good. The offense, there's still some stuff, right? You can still, like, I mean, he's hurt, and they played in Lambeau in the snow. Like, they got shut out, and that's awful. But, like, I don't know that I'm quite ready to say, like, to hit major panic buttons, right? I mean, you can still say, hey, you know, next week, right, maybe they'll be a little better, wrestle, knock some rest off, you know, get a little healthy, um, all, all that, right? And so the offense can still round in the shape, and if the defense can stay good, this can still be a good team. But at this point you know, any chances of that mattering, mattering is like almost gone, almost completely gone. Yeah. Um, well, the you playoffs know, are still alive, but man, yeah. it's, it's uh, an impossible, it's a really tough road. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because the Seahawks lost some tough games, close games. And if they come into this game five and three, instead of three and five or whatever it was, right. I would actually be feeling pretty bullish about that. Like if, if, mm -hmm. if things have been a little bit different leading into this game, the record was different. I'd be like, the defense just proved it can go up against an Aaron Rodgers offense and hold him down. Like they dominated that offense for most of the game. That's great. And Russ is going to get better. Like he'll just get better. I trust that he will, he will not be this bad the rest of the year. And you know, Gerald Everett finally showed up. They Russ used him today, whether that was great or not. You know, it's good to have another part of the team. DS, like, I would be like, okay, like, there, yes, this is a shit game in Lambeau, first game back. But because they started off three and five and now they're three and six, it's like, yeah, to your point, they're going to have to run the table, you know, to, to probably be. I think they literally have to run the table, right? think so right they can run the table they get to nine wins right they won. uh three no, no i don't oh, think they, right. i think the last seed will finish about eight and nine this year i think the seventh seed will finish eight and nine so when they have lost they again have left they're, they're they three, have three and six so they have eight games left. eight games so left. they had to win two of 
the Cardinals games, Ram game, and Packers game. Now that's down to two of the Cardinals games and the Ram game. Yeah, because they're going to need to win any tiebreaker because their NFC con- their NFC record's really bad. Yeah. So I think they're going to need nine wins for sure. Ten, 10 will be a for sure playoff team. It, here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm calling it right now. Uh, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're going to end the season like – looking like a get like a kick-ass offense scoring 35 40 points a game and making everyone just feel like what the hell happened this year that would be a very seahawks i think that's the worst thing i could have. i know because then it's false hope well yeah i mean my, my and you know this game the season ends on the cardinals game Yes. Like, yes. We are probably going to go into the last week of the season talking about playoffs. Talking about that. There's a very good chance, right, that, that they are not very good. I mean, they got to be either the Cardinals next week or the Rams or whenever they play. But there's a very good chance that we get to the last week of the season. We're like, hey, they win, they're in. Uh, and well, that won't be heartbreaking they, at all. <laughs> the Cardinals probably won't be playing their players anyway because they'll have something wrapped up by then. But um. I, I see a lot of quest stuff in the chat about like, oh my God, you know, being too optimistic. And I'm like, <laughs> this is like bizarro world. Uh, I want to be clear on where I'm at. And I want to get this here from you guys on the state of the franchise. And we'll, we'll kind of start wrapping up. But my, my point of view on the franchise has not changed at all since week two of this season against the Titans, which is this group, Schneider, Carol, Russ, that group together is not going to win another Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't think they are. And I think some of it's to do with age of, you know, where Russell is. I think some of it's to do with a bunch of stuff. But no matter how the rest of the season goes, other than they win a Super Bowl, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. that point of view is pretty, pretty much stable. What I'm talking about here is that, I still think that I just look at this football team for this season. I think that they are trending better in some of the things that really matter. And I do think that they can end the season with a flourish. I absolutely do. You know, maybe I'll end up being wrong, but I thought they could win this game coming in when a lot of people didn't. And I think, I think that people might say, Oh my God, you were crazy to think that I come out of this thinking just as much to before, you know, they absolutely could have won this game. Um, So yeah, uh, that's that's where I am. Like the franchise, they need to reset. That's my point of view. Um, that hasn't changed. I still think their best chance to do that involves trading Russell Wilson for whatever picks you can get. I know that that is a very, you know, controversial point of view. I've explained my reasons before. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that nothing of that has changed. Jeff, I mean, where are you? Um, I, th- I think the Green Bay Rodgers example is just, I think it's so spot on where the last couple of years of the McCarthy era, where they, they trended a lot similar to Pete Carroll, it just sort of looked like this, where Rodgers was getting hurt and the backup Brett Hundley would come in or, and then you'd just see a team that they showed some flashes on sides of the ball, but they just didn't look like, so for me, it's just something needs to change. I completely agree with you on this group's not going to another Super Bowl. Their drafting hasn't been good enough. The coaching isn't good enough, frankly. They play scared on offense. They're bad punts again today. Um, 
I just see the two figures just not working. So I get why you want to trade Russell and games like this certainly do not help where I am, where I think you have to move forward with Russell. I just don't see an alternative that, yeah, draft picks are great, but I don't know if you like, this is one of the, this is a really bad draft class. So the the, the thing that would scare me really badly is like Miami, for example, they had seven picks in top 40, the last two drafts. And if you look what they've come out with, it's God awful. And if you trade Russell and if these guys are the guys drafting, I don't want to turn out like Miami where you got Tua. They don't even know if Tua is the quarterback. Now, Oakland, the Raiders are the same thing. They trade Khalil Mack and draft, built up all this draft capital, but they didn't have the right people in place making the picks. And they draft Farrell and Ruggs and Arnett, and they're left when, well, maybe they should have just kept Mack and Amari Cooper. So yeah. to me, if it may be, if the GM and the coach are different, I'm more open to that idea. But to me, I would want to just do it one last ditch. I'd want to build around Russell. And I think we're, the whole issue earlier in the year was you were talking about Brian Watt, how there's no young talent. They're stale. I think now that the way the defense has spiked up, I think there's a case there is talent here. And I think just with more structure offensively, a uh, vision from the coach on down. So I want to see a different coach with Russell at this point. And games like this just proved to me the whole thing has gone stale. And everyone who has that camp, I think there's a lot of evidence of it. Yeah, Nathan, go ahead. I mean, I've been talking about this team being the – the blazers of the nfl for a few years now so like uh you know I, I haven't changed my mind for sure on any of that um i still lean more towards the idea of uh trying to do the packers route keep keep wilson and and turn over the coaches and all that and just see what you can get um but uh I, we've talked about it a lot I, i'm not opposed to the idea of trading russell either um because I, I I still don't think that this defense is especially talented. Um, there's there's obviously a few pieces here and there, but like I don't know that Brooks is going to become some, you know, all pro linebacker or anything like that. So um, there's some talent they could use an infusion for sure. The Adam Singh has set them back a little bit on that, um, and so I don't know. This team just needs to do something to change and to break out of the rut. And so far they haven't been willing to make any kind of a drastic you know move and i think that they they're going to have to if they really want to contend for a super bowl again yeah yeah i i i love that i i I really agree with pretty much all of that and this isn't a situation for me where i'm like it is so obvious you've got to trade russell wilson like that that is not where i'm at at all if they don't trade him i think it's a totally logical uh, approach there i think it's just a matter of what your priority is in terms of are you wanting to keep the floor high or you want to go for the ceiling? And it's just like, you know, I'm a terrible gambler, so I, I'm going to butcher this, but like poker, I mean, there's times where you just ask for five new cards and, and maybe the, the math is better for you to keep, you know, the high card or who knows. Right. Um, I just want to, <laughs> I want a new, you know, I want a new deck, you know, I want a new set of cards and, I think that gives you the the best chance for a new upside. Um, but yeah, I if they keep Russ, then I think your seal, your floor is much higher for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, it just might not be a high enough ceiling for you to really get back to the Super Bowl. Um, I, 
yeah, I, I, yeah. So that that's 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 where I am. I, I know I've explained it a couple of times. But I know there's new people and they're kind of confused about why that's coming up. So just wanted to share. All right, guys. Um, any closing thoughts? Um, let's let's end as much as uh, people are frustrated. What was your most what what was the player or play or aspect of the game that you found most uh, encouraging um, that you saw today? Nathan, maybe you can start. Uh, I mean, Adams had a good game. <clears throat> you felt his influence. I mean, he obviously had the pick. Holy crap. He finally actually <laughs> caught a ball. Um, he got after, you know, I think the time that the path rush felt good, you know, he was involved in a few of those. Um, and he obviously wasn't making any mistakes back there, or at least nothing that Rogers thought he could take advantage of or realized. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, Adams had a, a good game and I don't think he's had a lot of those this year. So that was good. Jeff, not you? just a good game like he had an impactful game I mean Adams was a good player but he hasn't felt impactful I think at any point this season until until this game he really showed up 100 percent. this is this is easily his best game of the year um Jeff how about you I'm gonna shout at the cornerbacks um, I thought Trey Brown out of that awesome pass breakup on third down I thought DJ Reed just showed a lot of confidence and he just again just looks like a totally different player now that he flips sides and it was just, uh, like you said, Brian, early in the year, the most discouraging thing that Minnesota game specifically in that Tennessee game were just how bad the secondary and how hopeless the secondary looked. And the fact that we have two young players who play with confidence, there's a lot of upside there. So that, that's really encouraging. They're going up against Devontae Adams. Like he didn't light the world on fire like he has in a lot of games against this team. We remember Trey Flowers against him in that one playoff game. That was, that was atrocious. And I've been... I was vocal that I couldn't stand watching Trey Flowers play. And now that they've gotten functional corners, it's, it's pretty impressive to see that they turn by far their biggest roster's weakness into what looks like an above average group. So to me, that's by far the most encouraging part of them. Yeah. I, I love both of yours and, and um, Jeff, you, you took what I would have gone to and I'll just pile on a little bit there. I mean, Trey Brown you have to think that that Green Bay came in looking to target him. Rookie, not a lot of plays. Um, I thought I thought that was um, a super impressive performance first game, and he had another another great play. That fourth down, like he looks like a guy that is going to rise to the occasion. That's super super exciting. Like so, this rookie class. <laughs> once we actually see D. Eskridge you know, in a game, um, we haven't seen stone foresight yet. Um, but it's a three pick class. It might end up being a good class. Like it, it might. And we haven't seen either Eskridge or Trey Brown do punt returns. Please God make that change soon. I mean, Freddie Swain calling fair catch at the 50 yard line with no one within 10 yards of him. That was like, he, he easily could have had a 15, 20 yard return on that. Um, Brian Walters. Yeah. I mean, what the hell dude? So um, I thought that I'll say Jordan Brooks because um, he was the other one. He ended up leading the team in tackles with 13. 10 of those were solo. He also made a great play in coverage um, way downfield on a receiver. Like that was impressive. Um, that was Bobby esque. So yeah, I, it's weird to exit a game. when you lose 17, nothing feeling kind of good. 
I personally do. I know I'm probably the only person in, C- in the Seahawks world that feels a little bit good. But it's been so frustrating to watch the Seahawks play defense for the last three or four years. Like, it's just been emasculating. I, it's just been hopeless. And and I felt like last year, even when they were playing better in the second half of the season, it felt like a little bit of fool's gold because of who they were playing and the quarterbacks. I just think that they are playing a high level of defense and it's, it's nice to watch. It's fun to watch. Um, and maybe if we get really lucky, it means that Ken Norton will get hired to be a head coach somewhere. Um, <laughs> that would be awesome. So we so, got a little bit of confirmation. I know we're about to end, but uh, yeah. on how Russell's injury did affect the, the team or the offense today. Uh, apparently Pete said they didn't take any, they didn't take any under center snaps today. And that was because of Russell's finger. They, they only wanted to run out of pistol and shotgun today. So at least one way that um, the injury was a factor today. That by itself is a problem. <laughs> like, like a lot of the offense is supposed to be under center. So, um... and that should take a lot of, or not a lot of, that should take some heat off of Waldron because yeah, it does. Yeah, how, what they, they do out of their play action game and their running game and stuff is, is a big deal under center. So um, partially why the offense as a whole looked very bland today. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to let you go. Um, thanks, everybody, for, for watching. Please give the show a thumbs up. I uh, really appreciate it. You know, it takes only a second to do. Um, we do this for all you guys and hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't already, click subscribe on the, the channel. We've got well over 7,000 subscribers and are growing really quickly. And then go over to patreon.com slash Uh You get immediate access to the Slack channel. We've got a community of multiple like hundreds of people now um joining there talking commiserating celebrating when there's something to do uh to celebrate and i uh, would love to have you join so please go over there we will be back wednesday evening eight o'clock pacific time to talk about the upcoming cardinals game and this is gonna be a home game it feels like it's been a while for me since i've been at a home game so i'm looking forward to seeing that and uh we'll see what happens it, it given the way things are going in Seattle, it could very well be a rain game, which again will be a challenge for Russ, especially with that finger. So we'll see how that goes. But until then, thank you all for tuning in and uh, have a great rest of your evening.